Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, for making a way for us to be forgiven of sin and have everlasting life and be called your children. And Father, now I pray that you would speak through thy word once again and that we might receive it and apply it and obey it. And we will give you the praise as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles now with me, would you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7? Our scripture reading, 2 Samuel chapter 7, we'll begin at verse 1. But as we celebrate Christmas, uh, we can celebrate it because of one thing. God made an unconditional covenant to King David, to David. And it's easy to overlook this as you look at the Christmas story. You look at the Christmas account that, that goes way back. And we see what God did with David in giving, making a covenant with him. Now, I like to call it the covenant of Christmas. But actually, you could say it this way. It's the covenant of Christ. The covenant of Christ. God promised a future heir to David that would be king and would reign forever. So let's look at this covenant, this covenant of Christ, the covenant of Christmas that God made to David. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me for 2 Samuel 7. Now it came about when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant dwells within tent curtains. And Nathanael said to the king, Go do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. Here David is, God has blessed David with the kingdom. He's made him uh, king and, and he suppressed all his enemies. And so now there is peace in Israel. Quite opposite of what we see today. And here King David looks at what God has given him. He's sitting in the cedar palace, and he's thinking, but God's, uh, God's Ark of the Covenant is over there in the tent, the tabernacle. We, I need to build a more beautiful home for the Ark of the Covenant, for the presence of God to dwell in. So his heart was right in what he wanted to do. He wanted to honor the Lord this way. And the prophet Nathan, who has been by David's side uh, through thick and thin, he's been the word of the Lord telling David what the Lord would, would want him to do. But we notice that Nathan just gave his own answer to David. He thought, well, it sounds great. Your motive is good. Go ahead and do it, and the Lord will bless you for it. But yet Nathan did not check with God on this. God had a different plan. He didn't want David to do the building of this home, which would be 
the temple, the Solomon of temple, uh, Solomon's temple. So now look at verse 4 with me. But it came about in the same night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one who should build me a house to dwell in? God asked him a question through Nathan. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent, even a tabernacle. Wherever I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel, which I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a cedar house? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, and now God has this message for David. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be the ruler over my people. What a transformation from a lowly shepherd to the king of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. And by the way, if you talk about Israel, if you brought it up in conversation with someone, uh, you would ask someone, uh, well, do you know anything about Israel, a history of Israel or anything? Most likely, most people would come up with the name, well, David. I mean, there's the star of David. His name is great over, over all the earth. So this came true. Verse 10. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly, even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. Now, Israel's already planted there in Israel, okay? But God's talking about a future appointed place, and that is something yet to come. It's a future kingdom where Israel will be restored as a nation, and God will make them a great nation once again in the earth, and all the enemies of the earth will be subdued. And this will happen, of course, when Jesus returns. And so he, he's telling David, I'm going to take care of your people. I'll give you rest on every side. But look at the end of verse 11, where the Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. Now, you see that word house? You, when you read that, you think, oh, God's going to build a another nice house. He's, he's got the house of cedar. God was going to build him another one. That is not what this word means in the Hebrew. This word actually refers to the, the lineage, the descendants of David. 
speaking of his house, it's speaking of his family tree to come. His ans- what is going to be uh, down the road that, that David's name in, from the tribe of Judah and the kingship that David has, that will last for all of eternity. And so God is saying, I'm going to bless your family and the seed of your family, and you will always have an heir to the throne. And so that's what he means by house here. Verse 12, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. Now, at this point here, God is referring to Solomon, okay? This is speaking of Solomon, the descendant, the son who he would have, who will come after you, and God is going to establish Solomon's kingdom. And he, verse 13, he, Solomon, shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom, how long? Forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me, speaking again of Solomon. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Verse 16, and your house, again, your, your lineage, your, uh, your future family and kingship, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. The key is here, your throne shall be established forever. Now, question, as you look at Israel over the past centuries, you know, 2,000 years or more, and you saw Israel was captured, God disciplined Israel, where he sent the Babylonians and the Assyrians to take the Jews into exile, so as as discipline, because they were a, a, a people of unbelief, and so Israel was desolate until in 1948. Of course, we know that Israel was declared a nation again, and people from Jews from all over the world came back to live in Israel. So Israel suddenly is being restored. But there is no king of David, a descendant of David, on the throne today, is there? And yet God is saying to David here, your throne shall be established forever. Here God is speaking to David concerning the future king, the Messiah, the one who would come through the lineage of David, and he will rule over Israel, a believing Israel, a nation that is saved. And this king who will sit on the throne of David because he has the right to, because he's, 
He was born through the line of David. One day, Jesus Christ will sit on that throne. And so the Lord made it clear to David that he plans to send a Messiah. Now, we won't take time to turn to it, but in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, is a genealogy, if you remember. There's also a genealogy in Luke chapter 3. Okay, two, but they're two different. They're different genealogies, yet they all go back to Abraham or Adam. But they all trace back to David. Why two? Yet they're different. Matthew's is different than Luke. Why the difference? Well, we find that the lineage in Luke is the lineage back to David through Mary. Did you know that Mary was part of the lineage of David? Through the, according to that genealogy, though her name is not mentioned there, she is, is related to David. And then in Matthew, we see that genealogy is the genealogy of Joseph, okay? So understand this concerning Jesus Christ, that God made a covenant with David that a descendant of yours will sit on the throne. In other words, he will be of royal blood. He will have the, the royal authority because he comes through the tribe of Judah. And that would be Jesus Christ who has that authority. But Jesus was, was conceived by who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. And yet Joseph, being a descendant of David, had the authority to be a king. But now, what happened was, though, though uh, Jesus was not uh, brought forth through, David, uh, for, through Joseph's seed, yet Jesus had, had been considered as adopted by Joseph and Mary. Because and if anyone adopted a child even though they weren't uh, born through them, because they were adopted into the family, they had every right and authority of any of other male children in the family. They would carry on the, the lineage. And so through David, Joseph, uh, through, I'm sorry, through Joseph, God, uh, allowed Jesus to receive the kingship, okay? Through Mary, Jesus received the, his humanity. That through her and her blood, which was of David, he had David's blood, as it were, in him. So biologically, Jesus was of the line of David. And also authoritatively, as an adopted son, he was he was allowed to sit on the throne of David. So I, I think this is key to understand. But here, 
this lineage of David, we see prophetic statements concerning this Messiah, this descendant, who would fulfill the covenant of Christ that God gave to David. Turn to Psalm 89 with me. If you go to Psalm 89 and look at verses 1 through 4. Psalm 89, 1 through 4. Here, throughout this psalm, we see the Davidic covenant. The covenant, we call it the covenant of Christmas, the covenant of Christ given to David. Verse 1. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations I will make known thy faithfulness with my mouth. For I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens thou wilt establish thy faithfulness. And now God speaks. Verse 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish his seed, how long? Forever. And build up his, your throne to all generations. There it is again. God is saying here in the psalm, I will establish the seed of David forever and build up his throne. And then if you, we uh, go down to verse 20, if you jump over to verse 20 with me, he goes on. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him. With whom my hand will be established. My arm also will be strengthened. And strengthen him. The enemy will not deceive him. Nor the son of wickedness afflict him. But I shall crush his adversaries before him. And strike those who hate him. Now. This is yet future. And my faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him. And in my name, his horn will be exalted. I shall set also his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He will cry unto me, thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My loving kindness I will keep forever. My covenant. There's the word covenant again. Shall be confirmed to him. I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. God keeps talking about the throne of David. When is that going to take place? Well, we know that it is going to take place as we read the future. We read according to the prophecies and then in Revelation that Jesus Christ is returning to this earth and he, he will be sitting literally on the throne of David in Jerusalem. As Jesus returns, he will lift the curse uh, off this world and he shall reign over all the nations and you and I are going to reign with him. And Israel will be an, uh, a, a peaceful nation once again. But what I want to understand here, want us to understand concerning this covenant is. You see, through this covenant, 
only the Messiah could bring salvation. So if something were to happen to the lineage of David, okay, the line of David and his descendants, if suddenly everyone were killed who was any descendant of David, then guess what? There would be no future throne of David or a king who comes through him to reign upon that throne and fulfill this covenant. And Satan knew this. And so what, is, what has Satan been trying to do? Well, we saw it in Bethlehem, right? When King Herod decided he wanted to kill all the babies, two and under. And Joseph and Mary had to flee with the baby because God told them to go. Because Herod was seeking to kill that child. Who do you think was behind it all? Satan, of course. He wanted to wipe out the new Messiah that was born. But there's an account in the scriptures I want us to look at where it came this close to Satan wiping out the line of David. And I want you to look with me. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 11. 2 Kings 11. And then you're going to see how all this relates to us and we can apply it to ourselves today. What does this mean to me today? But 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Now, <clears throat> read with me here. When Athaliah, the mother of Haziah, saw that her son was dead, Haziah was of the lineage of David. He was sitting on the throne of Judah. Okay. He wasn't a good king. And just because they were a, a king sat on the throne of David, it didn't mean that he was a good king all the time. But there were some evil kings. Yet each one, the line, the bloodline would lead to, is supposed to lead to fulfilling the covenant where Jesus will sit on the throne. But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, say, saw that her son was dead, this is her mother, his, his mother, she rose up and destroyed what? All the royal offspring. Do you see that? She decides, she's the queen mother. The, her son who was king is dead. Now her son had some sons. But now... She's basically in control of Israel. And this is the first and only time that basically Israel had a queen looking over them. She wouldn't, and no female would ever be able to sit on the throne of David. It was always a male descendant. But she wanted to stay queen. And she was evil at heart. And so she decided... I'm going to kill all my grandchildren. Just like Herod in Bethlehem. She says, if I can wipe out all my, my dis, the descendants of Judah, then I'm going to be queen. Nobody can come and take the throne. There will be no line of David anymore. And this was her plan. And so she planned to destroy all the offspring but so 
if they were all destroyed, there could be no Messiah. Jesus, God's plan and covenant could not be fulfilled. But so Satan was working through her saying, he's thinking, I'm going to destroy the line now so that no Messiah can come. But then look what God does. Verse 2. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King uh, Joram, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons who were being put to death and placed him and his nurse in the bedroom. And this, of course, is the bedroom in the temple. There was bedrooms in the temple for the priests. So they hid him from Athaliah, the wicked queen. It almost sounds like a, a Disney movie, you know? Uh, You remember those evil queens like Maleficent and all those? But this this really happened. And so they hid him from Athaliah, and he was not put to death. So he was hidden from, uh, he was hidden with her, Jehoshaphat, in the house of the Lord six years, while Athaliah was reigning over the land. So just picture this, okay? Here it is. The soldiers are coming in and they're killing all the babies. And this is the time when Satan says, I've won. I have, I have defeated God and his, and his prophecies and what he said about a future Messiah that would sit on David's throne and also destroy Satan. And so as he was wiping out through Athaliah, he was wiping out all these children. There was a precious woman who was was a a stepdaughter of Athaliah. She was the aunt of Joash. But she came in and God put a passion and, and courage in her heart that she went over. She quickly picked up. Joash, the baby, and ran to put Joash away and hid him. Hid him back in the bedroom. And there he stayed. And she raised him. And that was the only descendant left. If something happened to that baby... There would be no Messiah. There would be no salvation. Try and grasp this, dear Christian. That God was in charge of everything. He is sovereign. And he, if God makes a covenant and a promise, he is going to keep it. And so he protected that one little boy. And so after... Seven years. Look at verse 4. Now in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the Karaites and of the guard and brought them to him in the house of the Lord. Then he made a covenant with them. 
And now Jehoiada, Jehoiada remember, is the high priest in the temple. He's a godly man, okay? He made a covenant with them and put them under oath in the house of the Lord. So picture this. All of a sudden, seven years later, Athaliah is still queen. Suddenly he brings out this seven-year-old boy, Joash. And he brings all the soldiers around to protect him. So there in the temple, hidden in the temple, he comes out. And then he made a covenant with the soldiers and put them under oath in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. They didn't have any idea that there was still a descendant of David left. They were shocked. And he commanded them saying, this is the thing that you shall do. One third of you who come in on the Sabbath and keep watch over the king's house, one third also shall be at the gate, sir, and one third at the gate behind the guards, shall keep watch over the house for defense, and two parts of you shall all, shall even all who go out on the Sabbath shall also keep watch over the house of the Lord for the king. And then you will surround the king, each with his weapons in hand. And whoever comes within the ranks shall be put to death. And be with the king when he goes out and when he comes in. And so they were all preparing. It was time to reveal the king to Israel. And so here it is. Verse 12. Then he... Jehoiada brought the king's son out. Let me see here. Uh, do we have a seven? No, most of the kids went downstairs. Do we have a seven-year-old here? Do we have any seven-year-old that's still here? Or eight? Caden, how old are you? Oh, you're 12. Oh, so, so Bryce, everybody's pointing at Bryce. Br Bryce, how old are you? 12, another 12-year-old. 12 Anybody, who's the closest to seven? Come on, a guy, a boy. Anybody? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess me. I'm still a child at heart. Okay. Anyway, Bryce, come on up here anyway. Okay, we're going to make you a seven-year-old. Okay, here comes our seven-year-old. Here comes Joash. Okay? He's shaking his head all the way down. Well. Come on up here, my friend, buddy. Okay, so here he is. So come over here. Okay. So now the soldiers bring him out in front of the people and the guards all around him. Here is seven-year-old Joash. And all the people are gathered and they're looking and they can't believe it. And at that point, they realize who he was. And they took a crown. And they placed it on his head. Is that good? Look at that. Seven-year-old king. Joash became a king at seven years old. The youngest king ever to be put on a throne. Of course, Jehoiada, the priest, would help him rule until he got older. But here he is, and at this point, something wonderful happened as they brought him out. Okay, you okay there? Okay, hold on. 
Verse, look at verse 12. Then he brought the king's son out and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony and made him king and anointed him. Now, uh, Brother Jim, would you come up for a second, please? Brother Jim, who played the trumpet. Yes, Jim May. Could you grab your trumpet for a second, please? Thank you so much. Okay? I appreciate it. If, now, could you, could you play something triumphant? Doesn't matter what it is. Is there any kind of triumphant sound of a, a song? Boy, if you'd play it now. And now, I present to you the King of Israel, the only descendant of David, King Joash. And it says, all the people said, O King, live forever. So on the count of three, I want all of you to shout, long live the King. Ready? One, two, three. Long live the King. Give me... And now you keep playing while he walks back. You may go back to your seat. There's still, no, you keep that for a second. Walk, keep walking. <laughs> King Joash lives. Oh, look at that. I'm sorry we don't have a bride for you. Oh, thank you, Jim. Give Jim a hand. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. That was awesome. That was so good. I want you to get the picture. God said, my word will stand. And my dear friends, how exciting it is to know that God's word is true and he will always keep his covenants. And in closing, I want you to turn to 1 Peter with me. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. And here we have something wonderful concerning you and I. First Peter 2, okay, and let's pick it up at verse 4. And coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also... This is speaking to every one of you believers here this morning. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for the holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You and I are a spiritual house of holy priests. Verse 6. For this is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious stone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. Here's a gift. We talk about the gift of Christ at Christmas. Here it is, the precious value to you who believe. If you receive him, you will not be disappointed, but you have forgiveness of sin, life everlasting. You become a royal priest in the family of God. 
He goes on, but for those who disbelieved, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of defense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they are also appointed. But here, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you see? There was a new covenant. David had an old co- was under the old covenant. God gave him a covenant. But when Jesus came and died, was preparing to die on that cross, he gathered with his disciples. And at that first uh, last supper there, remember he took the bread and he took the cup. This bread is my body broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And what did he say about the cup after supper? He said, and he took the cup. And he said, this cup is what? The new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus spoke of the new covenant in his blood. And so God brought us a new covenant through Jesus Christ so that you and I could be here this morning and we can say, I'm a child of God because of the blood. I'm a child of God Because he has redeemed me. I'm a child of God because I've been forgiven of my sins through Christ. I'm a child of God because the Messiah came for me and he's given to me everlasting life. He has placed me in his family and I am of royal blood now so that I will reign with Christ one day. And we saw scriptures throughout um, the New Testament where it speaks of the saints, you and I one day will reign on earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you and, and I to be part of that government. But I want you to understand the, understand the gifts and the blessings that you and I have received through the new covenant, the blood of Christ. And you and I stand redeemed. And so as you go out there this, this Christmas and this new year, go out there with this on your mind. No matter how bad things get, no matter how beaten down you get, no matter how much pain you go through, remember who you are. You're a child of the king. You are of royal blood, a royal priesthood. And what are we to do? Because we are, he said here, Peter said in verse 9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, Jesus, who brought us out of darkness. Would we leave here proclaiming his excellencies? Praise Jesus Christ in your life through what you do, what you say, and the world will notice. You, you must belong to some. You're different. What is it that's different about you? They will see Jesus in you. And the greatest part is this king, this Messiah who is going to sit on David's throne one day is the king of my heart. He took residence in you and me the moment we believed and were saved. So that I have the presence of Christ through his Holy Spirit in me. This torn apart, broken body 
is housing the Holy Spirit as your body is. And so what does Paul say? You and I are a temple of the Holy Spirit. I must act and live such a way that I remember that, Lord Jesus, you live inside me. I want you to be manifested in my life. Let's pray together. As we close this morning, dear Christian, perhaps this morning you came with a heavy heart. I know some dear friends who love the Lord, but yet they struggle with the thought of eternal security. Am I truly saved? And yet they've made a decision and accepted Christ. They believe in him. Perhaps you're a Christian like that, where you've had your doubts, you've struggled. You look at your sin, the sin nature which we will have until we get to heaven, and you're battling some sin in your life. And it keeps coming back, and you struggle with it. You try and get victory over it, and sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. But God is helping you. But one thing never changes, my friend. Remember this. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin, past, present, and future. You are born again. You've been born spiritually into God's family. And no one can pluck you out of his hand. You are secure in Christ. Take that truth to heart. Don't rely on your feelings, what you're thinking, or your, your own uh, weaknesses. But look to Christ, and he paid it all that you could be considered a child of God. Would you right now just surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, give me that assurance of my salvation. And help me, Lord, to proclaim your glorious glory to the world around me. And Father, help me to make a difference this Christmas and in the new year. That the world may see that I am of royal blood, that I have been bought with the price of your blood. Would you make that decision, Christian, this morning? If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, right now, you can do it. If you believe that Jesus died on that cross for your sins, that he's the Son of God who took your place, and then you now would want him to save you, he will come in and cleanse you and forgive all your sin. And he'll give you his righteousness, and he will robe you. And give you everlasting life. It's your free gift if you're willing to receive it. If you're ready to receive him, pray with me now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm so sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. and You took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. And wash my sins away. I receive you today. As my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me. And rising from the dead. Lord Jesus. And with our heads still bowed. If you gave your heart to Christ. You are now born again spiritually. You're a child of God. Welcome to the family. Heavenly Father we thank you Lord. For speaking to our hearts through your word. Thank you Lord for the covenant you made with David. David. 
And Father, then we thank you for the new covenant you gave us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his blood. And that we can stand here redeemed and be called the children of God. Thank you for so great a salvation. And Father, I pray that you would give assurance to each believer here that no one can pluck us out of your hand. And we are eternally yours forevermore. And we thank you and give you the praises we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would like to mention as we conclude our service that if you made a decision, Christian, if there's a decision you made or want to make before the Lord and you want to make it public, I invite you as we sing to come down front, to come over near this.